You're listening to Ketchikan Church of the Nazarene. And grab your Bibles. We're going to stick your finger in Psalm 96. We'll be there first in a few moments. But today, we're in our second week of our study on what are the qualities of people that are engaged in discipleship. What, what are the qualities of people who are saying, this is the life I want to live. I want to be a Christ follower. I would like to grow and mature in these areas. And last week, we tackled the first one, which is faith. That, um, you know, it, we could talk about prayer and we could talk about um, service and we can talk about giving. We could talk about all those things. But if you do not have faith in Christ, then those other things might not make sense. So last week, we handled the idea of faith. What is it to have faith in Christ? And we learned that faith is a simple trust and it's an active obedience. And there are also room for doubters. And we looked at many moments in scripture where people struggled, even the disciples face to face with Jesus struggled with their faith. And we learned the greatest prayer of a doubter is, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And so uh, we found ourselves at home there in scripture last week. And now everything we do moving forward in this series is going to build on the idea of faith. Today, we're going to talk about prayer. Uh, Prayer is simply that communication between the created and the creator, right? So it's a conversation at base level between us and Jesus. But it's such a broad topic, is it not? Um, As I sat down to study prayer and um, look at the wide scope of prayer in Scripture, I realized I could probably preach 52 different messages uh, on prayer, and we could study prayer for a whole year or even beyond um, to wrestle with all of the different avenues and fingers and spokes of prayer that can work our way, uh, work its way into our life. Um, So it was... It was a challenge to distill down into one message what might be essential for today. Um, The Lord laid on my heart five great prayers that we can find in Scripture that are phenomenal prayers. That if we can wrestle with these ideas and these prayers, our prayer life will grow. Our maturity will increase. We will become more Christ-like if we can learn to pray these prayers on a regular basis. But before we get to those five prayers, I want to just do a brief overview of prayer so that we're all on the same page. We've learned that it's a conversation, right, between created and creator. And we see that first in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? I'm sorry, the Garden of Eden, when uh, God has created this beautiful place for his creation. And he makes Adam out of the dust. And there's Adam and there's God. And they walked together and talked together in the coolness of the evening. They had great conversation. I don't know what they talked about. There were no sports teams right? Um, Nobody was barbecuing stuff because they didn't eat meat at that point. Um, So the things that they talked about must have been relationship-based. They must have had no distractions that are financial worries and all the things that we struggle with. It was simply, hi God, how are you? Adam, how's it going? Haven't seen you in the past. Oh, well, we've been together all day. I love hanging out with you. And there was this beautiful conversation relationship. Things changed when sin entered the world. Suddenly this beautiful relationship of constant conversation and togetherness broke when sin entered the world. And Adam and his wife Eve dove behind some bushes. And they said, we're scared to talk with God now. We're scared to be around God because we're not sure what he thinks about us anymore. We've disappointed him. We feel a distance grown between us and instead of running towards him to fix that we've run away from him and so 
conversation between God and the created becomes a little more difficult when sin enters the world. We go down through time and we read in Scripture um, that people struggle with prayer and, and talk to God in prayer. And there's the ebb and the flow of prayer in the life of people who follow God. And then you get to the Garden of Gethsemane. It's a secondary garden moment in Scripture. And Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's praying a prayer in a garden and he's talking with God and he's saying, I'm really struggling with what you want for my life, God. I really am not sure that I like the idea of experiencing a painful crucifixion, but your will is superior to my will. And I will submit to you because it is good. So where Adam struggled after sin, Jesus was successful as he lived a sinless life. And then we move down through time and, and we get to our own personal experience with prayer. And we begin to understand that as we talk with God, we begin to see his heart. We begin to um, understand things from maybe his perspective. We, we begin to pray for somebody and we see God act on their behalf. And we realize that God really does care. He really does listen. He really does participate in our life when we engage him, and, and many times even when we don't because someone else is engaging in prayer on our behalf. I would not be a Christian today if people weren't praying for me before I was a Christian. There were many people who prayed to Jesus, Lord, work in Peter's life. And I wasn't praying those prayers. I didn't care about God. But people prayed for me, and God worked and answered and I'm a Christ follower today because of the prayers of faithful people. Yeah. Prayer changes us as we begin to know him and hear him and understand his voice and, and submit to him. Parents, when you are speaking to your children and you tell them, I'd really like you to go clean the bathroom or clean your room or empty the dishwasher, whatever it happens to be, and they look at you and they nod, and then they don't do that, how do you feel? Maybe don't say it out loud because your kids are surprising. <laughs> but you're processing that, right? Right? So how we, how we pray with God sometimes is we yammer at him the things that are on our heart. There is a response because it's a two-way conversation. And he says, it would be wise if you. And then we nod at him and go the other direction. Part of prayer is the submission to his will for our life and the direction that he gives us that we know he hears and that he's involved and that he cares, but he's got a direction for our life and submitting to that becomes very important to our maturity. Prayer is an opportunity to uh, see that our needs are met and to intercede for the needs of other people. Uh, it's a way for us to say, there's a felt need, Lord, can you help out with this? And also, Lord, my family doesn't yet know Christ. Will you work in their life the way that you worked in mine before I even knew you? The best prayers are honest prayers. Right? Um, prayers that don't hold anything back from Jesus. He, he knows our hearts anyway, so why should we hold something back? The best prayers are the most honest, transparent prayers. Maybe sometimes you're even angry at God and you are angry at him in prayer, but he's a big boy and he can take it. Honesty is really great in prayer. And we learned last week that one of the greatest prayers in scripture was, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. 
a very honest prayer. I want to believe. I'm trying to believe. I'm, I'm working to believe, but I'm struggling to believe. I, I believe that I think I believe. Would you help the parts of me that don't quite believe the believing, right? Well, we've all been in those moments where we think we believe. We're moving forward in that belief, but we're not sure if when we take that next step, it's really going to pan out. Really honest prayers. And God meets us in those moments. He desires communication with us. He longs to talk with his children. Again, parents, how would you feel if your children never talked to you? If they came in to your house and they sat down, they watched some television, they ate some food, they left, they came back, and never did you ever talk. We as children of God should not be like that. We should not come in to God's house and sit and never talk to him. We should not use his resources and never thank him. We should be people who are actively conversing with our father who lives in heaven. So all that to say, there's a lot involved in prayer. And it's a huge topic, but it's also a really simple truth. God loves you, cares for you, longs to hear from you, longs to work in you and through you. And there are five great prayers that might be little prayed prayers, and we're going to look at them this morning. We're going to look at the prayer, and then we're going to read it in Scripture. Um, and hopefully one of these five prayers will be one that the Lord just kind of highlights for you and says, Oh, that's the prayer that's lacking from my walk with you. That's the prayer I should be focusing on. This one makes my heart sing. I, I should be praying this prayer. And the first prayer that we want to talk about is the wow prayer. You guys ever prayed wow? Right? You see the sunrise sometimes on a beautiful morning here in Ketchikan as it comes up. I'll admit sometimes I get up early and I go to Starbucks right before the sun gets up. And if you park facing the water, you all know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Okay. And you look for the sunrise and there's the channel that goes out and there's the two mountains that kind of come down and the sun comes right up that channel like it's just aimed perfectly and on the perfect day with just a little bit of cloud in the sky you get that rainbow effect of, of just i mean it's glorious right and sometimes i'll sit there with my donut and my dog and my coffee wow right it's beautiful Wow! And scripture tells us that this wow prayer is a prayer of worship and, and adoration and it expresses just jaw-dropping wow, you know, for the things that he's doing and the ways that he's working. It's an amazement and in awe and it's something that stops us in our tracks and we can't go any further without saying, this is so cool what you have done, God. Wow. Psalm 96. Uh, I'm going to have it up here in the message format. If you're following along in your Bibles, it may be slightly different and you'll see different words. The message puts it so beautifully. And so it reads this way. Sing God a brand new song. Earth and everyone in it sing. Sing to God. Worship God. Shout the news of his victory from sea to sea. Take the news of his glory to the lost. News of his wonders to one and to all. For God is great and he's worth a thousand hallelujahs. Right. And hallelujah is the word that means all y'all praise the Lord. Right? That's the rough translation. So it means that we're doing this together. This is a corporate wow prayer. His awesome beauty 
makes the false gods look cheap. When you put God next to the things that we tend to exalt as God, man, they just pale in comparison. God is awesome. Pagan gods are just like mere tatters and rags. God made the heavens. His royal splendor radiates from him a, a powerful beauty that sets him apart. Bravo, God. Bravo. Everyone join in the great shout. Encore. In awe before the beauty. In awe before the might. Bring gifts and celebrate. Bow down before the beauty of God. And then, even to your knees, everyone worship. Get out the message. God rules. He put the world on a firm foundation, and he treats everyone fair and square. Let's hear it from the sky, with the earth joining in, and a huge round of applause from the sea. Let the wilderness turn cartwheels, and animals should come dance, and put every tree of the forest in the choir. An extravaganza before God as he comes. As he comes to set everything right on earth. And he will set everything right. And treat everyone with justice. Amen. Wow. Right? Wow. I love the way it uses wordage like bravo and encore. And all y'all praise the Lord. This is from the heart of someone who said, I have seen God do things that you cannot even fathom. He upholds the creation with his very being. Just, he says it and it is. He should be worshipped for the things that he has set in motion. For who he is. It described not only things he did, but his characteristics. Power, might, beauty, justice. Wow. We live in an unjust world. Can I get an amen on that one? Yeah. Right? We have a God who reigns with justice and will set everything right. That's so awesome. Wow. Do you pray the wow prayer? The wow prayer is something we should wrap our hearts around. Wow. God. Wow. And sometimes it's as simple as me sitting with my dog and my donut and my coffee. And my dog and I share a donut. And I'll just say that. And we share the wow moment together. All creation, even the animals, should dance. All creation should give glory to God. When, when Jesus came down the hill into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, people were shouting and ripping palm branches off the trees. And it was like vandalism to trees, but they were ripping them down and worshiping Jesus. And the Pharisees are the party poopers of the day, right? And they came up and they're like, this is too crazy. Calm yourselves down. And Jesus says, I do not think you understand that if you close the mouths of the people who are saying, wow, God, look at what you're doing. Look at who you are. These rocks are going to do it. These trees are going to do it. Creation is going to burst forth into wow, God, because he deserves to be praised. This is a prayer we should wrap our brains around. Wow, God. But the second prayer builds on the wow. Wow is this general idea of how great and glorious God is. The second prayer is a prayer of thanks. And it's a wow prayer, but it's a personal application of that. We see the things God has done, wow, but then suddenly we realize this awesome, mighty, powerful, justice-seeking God is a God who worked 
on my behalf. He did something personal for me. He enacted in my life something that left his fingerprints forever on me. It is a, a prayer of um, recognition that God saw me where I was and did something on my behalf. And it may have been a, a small thing. It may have been a, a broad spiritual thing. It, it may have been a restoration. It could be a million things. The way God works is phenomenal. But this is the moment where we say, we see what God has done. Thank you. Now, in the Old Testament, there was this practice called uh, corporate recitation. And they would gather together the congregation of believers, and they would recite together the law of the Lord. And they would say it together with one voice, affirming together, we believe this. And we don't do that very often in the modern church, but we're going to do it today. I'm going to put the scripture on the screen. I'll read the white parts. You read the black parts. Okay? And this is a prayer of thanksgiving. Okay? It's Psalm 136, if you want to mark it in your Bibles. Uh, white part, black part. Thank God. He deserves your thanks. His love never quits. Thank the God of all gods. His love never quits. Thank the Lord of all lords. His love never quits. Thank the miracle-working God. His love never quits. The God whose skill formed the cosmos. His love never quits. The God who laid out the earth on ocean foundations. His love never quits. The God who filled the skies with light. His love never quits. The sun to watch over the day. His love never quits. Moon and stars as guardians of the night. His love never quits. God remembered us when we were low. His love never quits. He rescued us from the trampling boot. His love never quits. He takes care of everyone in time of need. His love never quits. Thank God who did it all. His love never quits. I love this scripture because it's this repetition, right? Sometimes we have to say it over and over and over again. It's called meditating on the word of God. Sometimes it takes saying it. I don't know how many times we said it. 10, 15 times, to, to remind us, really, this is what we believe. This is something to be thankful for. We have to remind ourselves of how thankful we are because the world wants to tell us a different message. But the word of God says his love never quits, and that's something to be thankful for. There's a song we sing, his love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me, right? That's a beautiful truth taken right from this psalm. That God, who can set the moon and the sun and the stars in the sky, actually sees us when we're low. I love the comparison and the contrast. Wow, God, you did all of the cosmic stuff, but you saw me in the midst of all of that. You did all of this amazing stuff that I can't even fathom how far space goes. But you saved me when I needed you. You saw me in my hour of need. You were there when nobody else was. You provided when I couldn't provide, when nobody had something to meet that need that was in my heart. You were there. Thank you that your love never quits. Prayer of wow 
and prayer of thanks go hand in hand. There's a third prayer, the prayer of fill me. Fill me. This is a prayer probably not prayed very often. Probably should be prayed every day. It's the one that helps us really become Christ-like. The prayer of fill me is the desire to know God more. When you pray this kind of prayer, you're saying, I'm not content with where I am in my spiritual walk, but I long for more. I want to be more holy. I want to resist temptation. I want to take that which I've carried forever that is no good for my soul, and I just want to let go of it and never pick it up again. And Lord, I need you to fill me so that I am satisfied with you and not the things of the flesh. Fill me, Lord. Now, Jesus talks about this kind of thing in John chapter 14. He's talking to his disciples and he says this, I'm going to talk to the father. This is what Jesus does best. He talks to the father. I'll talk to the father and he will provide you another friend so that you will always have someone with you. Isn't it great to know you're never going to be alone when you have God? You plus God is enough for any circumstance that you can encounter in life. You will always have someone with you. And this friend is the spirit of truth. The godless world can't take him in because they don't have eyes to see him. They don't know what to look for. But you know him already because he has been staying with you and will even be in you. Do you get what Jesus is saying here? Jesus is saying, God the Father is going to send, when I ask him to, the Holy Spirit of truth. And the Holy Spirit of truth will be with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I'm coming back, Jesus says. But in just a little while, the world will no longer see me. But you're going to see me because I'm alive and you are about to come alive. When I fill you with the Holy Spirit, you will know life in a way that you didn't before. The way that you live will seem dead compared to the way that you will live when the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And at that moment, you will know absolutely that I am in my Father, that you are in me, and that I am in you. Whoa. God wants to live in me. Wow. The friend, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send at my request, will make everything plain to you. He will remind you of all the things that I have told you. I'm leaving you well and whole. This is, this is so good. I'm leaving you well and whole. I'm not leaving you the way you're used to being left, feeling abandoned and bereft. So don't be upset. Don't be distraught. My parting gift to you, Jesus says, is peace through my spirit, which will dwell within you. This is a really, really awesome truth. That not only does God hear us and see us and care about us, not only does he want to walk with us and encourage us and challenge us, but he wants to be in us. He wants to fill us. He wants to encourage us to live a life that is Christ-like. The prayer of fill me is a desired prayer that we would say, Lord, fill me with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Fill me because you said you would fill me. And then when you fill me, enable me to live a life that pleases you. Enable me to resist sin. Enable me to serve you beyond what I ever thought I could do. Fill me and use me. 
And we know that when we are filled by the Holy Spirit, we've read in Scripture, in the New Testament, and even in the Old, those that are filled with the Holy Spirit of God do amazing things. Not by their own power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit through them. For the glory of God and the good of mankind. Fill me, Lord. If that's not a prayer that you are praying at this point in your Christian life, then this is a prayer that you should start praying. Lord, I want to be filled. I want to know not just that I have been saved from my sins, but I want to know that I am filled with the Holy Spirit, made new in all of my heart, and I am fully alive in Christ, able to serve you completely. That is a prayer we should be praying. Wow. Thanks. Fill me. Here's the fourth one. Deliver me. We like this one, right? Because when things get rough, we like to be able to say, help me, save me. This is a very personal one. When we are wounded emotionally, physically, spiritually, we like to be able to cry out to a God who we know hears us and know that when we say, deliver me, God is right there ready to lift us up out of the mire. This is a prayer of recognition that we need deliverance. Scripture, in its very um, simplest form, tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of that sin is death, right? And we need saving from sin and its consequences. The, the fundamental deliver me prayer is the prayer of, Lord, I've sinned against you. I am separated from you. Save me from my sin. Help me overcome that gap which I cannot overcome on my own. I need you, Jesus. Psalm 3 is a prayer of deliverance. God, look. There are enemies past counting. Enemies are sprouting like weeds. Mobs of them all around me. And they're roaring their mockery. Ha! <laughs> no help from God for him. Can anyone relate to that? There have been moments in my life where I have felt overwhelmed. I felt like the world has mocked me. I felt alone. And I have lived this moment. I love the Psalms because they are real life. They're raw. And this one gets even more raw. But you, God, shield me on all sides. You ground my feet. You lift my head high. Then with all my might, I might shout up to God and his answers thunder down from the holy mountain. He hears me and responds. And I stretch myself out. I sleep. And then I'm up again. I'm rested, tall and steady, fearless before the enemy mobs coming from me from all sides. And the only way that you can rest and sleep stretched out is when you know that you have someone who has your back. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For my Lord, my God, you are with me. Right. He continues in that psalm to say, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and I will feast and rest securely, even though there are enemies around me, because you are God and good. Rise up, God, my God, and help me. This is pretty real language here. Slap their faces. First this cheek and then the other cheek. And then put your fist hard in their teeth. This is real life prayer, right? This is honesty, right? A good prayer is an honest prayer. And this person says, the enemies are bad enough. I'd really like you to do some damage, right? I'd like you to level the playing field a little. I'd like you to take care of them for me. But it continues. 
Real help comes from God. Meaning, in the flesh, I really know what I would like to happen to my enemies. I really would like to see them have a black eye or two. But my real help comes from God, not what I think in the flesh, not what I could enact on my own, but God's sense of justice. And we read his justice. Wow, God, you are a God of justice, and you will make all things right. My real help comes from God, and your blessing clothes your people. This is a statement of saying, I will submit to God's will in this circumstance. His blessing is more important than my hope that they get beaten up and bruised. Real help comes from God. Deliver me. Is this a prayer you guys are praying? Deliver me, Lord, from my enemies, from the circumstances of life that have overtaken me, from the things that I can't control. Save me. Jonah prayed this prayer. Um, right? He was on a boat going the direction he shouldn't have been going, running away from God, which we all know you can't do. God will find you. He is everywhere. He ends up in the water to save the lives of those people on the boat. And the story of Jonah, um, he tells the fact that he is down in the bottom of the ocean, the lake, whatever, and the snares of death are encompassing around him. Uh, it's a horrifying uh, imagery for someone who doesn't like water. But you get this idea of seaweed being wrapped around him and he's struggling, but he can't get out from the bottom and he cries out, Lord, deliver me. It's a beautiful prayer. Lord, deliver me. And I'm thinking, he's thinking, deliver me means I would like to be on dry land. But God says, I will deliver you. Justice will reign. I'm going to send a giant fish to swallow you up. Oh, it's going to be great, Jonah. Three days he was in the belly of that fish. And then he prays, Lord, deliver me again. It took some time. But God makes everything right in justice. Jonah learned a little more about how to follow the Lord in obedience. The point of that is when we pray for deliverance, um, real help comes from God. His real help is better than any solution we think we can come up with. God's plan might involve something that we think is a detour. But in reality, those circumstances, the giant fish, proved to provide an opportunity for Jonah's heart to be formed ever more like Christ. Deliver me. That's a prayer we should be praying. And, and the last prayer of the five. We've got wow, we've got thanks, we've got fill me, we've got deliver me. How about give me wisdom? Give me wisdom. Solomon prayed this prayer. Um, scripture recounts the fact that he prayed for wisdom to be a leader. He didn't pray for more gold. He didn't pray for more chariots. He didn't pray for all the stuff, right? He prayed for wisdom to discern how to lead. And scripture tells us, and I will quote, it pleased the Lord. We struggle as Christians sometimes. We want to know, what's the Lord's will for my life? Well, how can I live that will please God? And when it says it pleased the Lord, I take that as a big neon sign that if that pleases the Lord, maybe I should do that too. We should be praying for wisdom, godly wisdom. It's one of the greatest and probably least prayed prayers. Give me wisdom. Psalm 119 is one of the longest psalms. It's a beautiful psalm. It's one of those psalms that, that for uh, the Hebrew letter uh, alphabet, each paragraph or section starts with the next letter of the alphabet. So it's like A, B, C, D, you know, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, but it's in Hebrew. Right? Um, there's one section of the psalm, starting in verse 33, that is this idea of wisdom. God, teach me lessons for living so that I can stay the course. 
Don't save me from the course. He's not saying, remove me from the difficult things. I know there will be a course ahead of me. Teach me lessons for living that I can stay the course. Give me insight so I can do what you tell me. My whole life long, I want to be obedient responding to you. A long obedience in the same direction. I want to always obey you. Teach me how to do that. Guide me down the road of your commandments. I love traveling this freeway. Guide me down the road of your commandments. Don't help me run from them. Help me see the beauty of the way you love me through me not doing certain things. Help me love letting go of the things I need to let go of. Give me a heart for your words of wisdom and not for piling up loot. Divert my eyes from toys and trinkets and the things that distract and invigorate me on this journey of faith. Have you ever prayed those words? Lord, invigorate me for this journey of faith. I wonder if Paul prayed that. Paul had, oh man, so many adventures. And I wonder if one of his prayers was invigorate me for this journey. He'd get up in the morning, he'd be like, I'm getting on a boat today. Lord, invigorate me for the journey. Shipwreck comes along. Lord, I feel invigorated. Right? He was willing to stay the course no matter what. Affirm your promises to me. Promises made to all who fear you. Deflect the harsh words of my critics. But what you say is always good. In essence, help me hear you louder than the world. See how hungry I am for your counsel? Preserve my life through your righteous ways. Are you hungry for godly wisdom? Do you desire to know the heart of God for your life? For, for the circumstances that you encounter, for um, the decisions that you need to make on a daily basis. I'm not necessarily talking about should I wear white socks or black socks, right? I'm sure at some level God cares, uh, but maybe that's not the wisdom we're looking for. Do you long to know what will please the Lord for your day? Do you start off the Lord in the morning asking, Lord, help me hear your wisdom when I go to work. Because the person who sits in the cubicle next to me drives me bonkers. Or I know we've got a meeting coming up and it's going to be rough. Give me wisdom to speak or not speak. Give me, give me guidance on how to love someone. Give me wisdom from your kingdom. God is willing to do that. In fact, one of the foundational truths that we rest on in faith is that when we pray, God hears, cares, responds, and then encourages us to be obedient. What prayer did the Lord lay on your heart this morning? Wow, thanks, fill me, deliver me, give me wisdom. Maybe all of them, that'd be fantastic. But I guarantee you, your life will look different as a Christ follower, if you begin to submit yourself to these prayers. If you don't, and you never pray these prayers, you will continue living the life that you currently live with God. But God wants so much more for you than you could ever want for yourself. And when we begin to dialogue with him and say, wow, oh, thank you. Would you fill me a little more? I need, I need to be topped off this morning, Father. Yesterday was rough. 
I didn't sleep well last night. Will you fill me up again today? Will you deliver me and will you give me wisdom to deal with circumstances? It looks a lot like the Lord's Prayer. The disciples had asked Jesus, how should we pray? Teach us how to pray. And Jesus responded with what we've come to understand is the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's the holiness part. That's the wow. Give us this day our daily bread. It's our needs. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Give me wisdom to deal with those moments. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Jesus is saying foundationally there are a few things that help us grow to be more like him. And they begin with prayer and communication with God. The worship team is going to come up and lead us. And I would encourage you today to engage in prayer during this time. The lyrics to the song we're going to sing you're familiar with. Come to the altar. And you'll recognize some of the lyrics are prayers of wow and thanksgiving. I would encourage you to come to the altar this morning and pray. It might be for yourself. It might be for a family member. It might be for the world at large. But if you are a Christ follower, you need to be talking with God and growing in his likeness through prayer. There are communion elements in the back if you desire to partake of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, which was broken for you. He died on the cross in your place for your sins. That was a big delivery moment. You can partake back there. You can use the prayer wall. You can come forward or you can stay where you are. The beauty is God meets you exactly where you are, physically and spiritually and relationally. And all it takes is the wee bit of faith to look his direction. And he is right there ready to enter in. Lord, we give you honor and glory. You are a great God who set the world into being. You are the Lord of life. We wouldn't be able to suck air in our lungs if it weren't for you this morning. Thank you. Wow. I get to live in this place that's beautiful. I get to see the sunrise over the water. And during the summer, I watch salmon jump and whales swim by. Wow. You've done all that. But you've also delivered me from sin. You've shown me the way to life. You're making me more alive every day. But Lord, I long for more. I want more of you. I want to be filled to overflowing so that when life squeezes me, you come out. Give me wisdom to walk this life. And I pray as we worship you this morning in song that they may be prayers that are lifted to you and that you may thunder down your answer from the holy mountain to our hearts this morning. We are ready to hear from you to be obedient in response. We give you the glory and the honor. Now receive the prayers and the praises of your children. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. We pray this in your name. Amen. You've just heard a message from Ketchikan Church of the Nazarene. To learn more about our church or to support our ministries, you can visit ktnnaz.org. Thank you.